but I was called Tabs by some friends, and then I remember um, when I was at, uh, when I, I taught for a bit, so I was called Mr. Pill, or Sir, and uh, I, uh, my friends generally call me Brian, there's a couple of people call me Bry, and uh, my wife will sometimes call me, quite often call me Love, my mother used to call me uh, Brian or Brian John Pill, if it was things were not going so well, and uh, when I was, um, was flying, I kind of, I was called captain a lot, and even one or two people I still bump into now will still say that. And when I worked in Chad, I was always, I always quite liked being called commander. That was rather fun. And we used to go, we were involved in a church plant in uh, Uganda, and it's kind of a number of churches now. And I went back for about 10 years, and uh, particularly I was always addressed as St. Brian. What a cool name. So... Uh, which I always thought was rather nice. But we do have kind of different names. And I was just thinking about those. And I kind of thought, Lord, what, what, is, what do you know? What's my name? And I kind of really felt God saying, well, you're Brian, but you're my boy. And I just thought it fits in so well tonight, that sense that all of us can know that sense of intimacy with our Heavenly Father, that we can be known as my boy, my daughter, whatever it is. And it's this question I really encourage you to perhaps ask God, how do you know me? You know, what, what's my name? Because he knows not just your name on your birth certificate, but he knows your heart name. And I think that's a lovely thing to, to know. And it's all about, as we pursue God, in a sense about intimacy, about pursuing uh, our, our Heavenly Father and we're having this relationship with Jesus. But anyway, I kind of might refer to that later, but I just thought it was a kind of an if any of you are feeling that maybe God doesn't know my name, don't believe that lie because he does. And if you want, do want somebody to pray with you about that at the end, do, do kind of get some prayer because actually he knows you. He knows your innermost being. You don't need to hide from him because he knows you. But I had a rather unusual opportunity this year. I actually spoke in church on January the 1st. I don't, it doesn't happen very often on January, on January the 1st that you're in church and you have the opportunity to speak. And in fact, uh, when I was there, I asked uh, three questions, although it may look like five. And you will have a piece of paper, I think all of you, with the word declarations on it, uh, which I gave out then. But at the bottom, there are these three questions. One is, what are you doing, Lord, and how might I be involved in your world this year? Two, what is my role in helping people flourish? And three, what story are we telling and how can I move forward from where I am to where you would like me to be? And this evening, I'm going to look at that second question. How do we help all those we meet to flourish? It doesn't matter uh, where, where they are, whether on the bus, uh, as if any of you have ever been on a bus. Come on, own up. Who's not been on a Guernsey bus? Oh, right, I'm impressed. I can say I'm very impressed. Oh, Guernsey bus are going to be delighted with that. I thought nobody used the bus. Um, and, uh, well, the bus that tried to reverse and knock me off my scooter on Saturday had, didn't have anyone on it except the driver and the trainer, but that's a neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but it is an exciting question to ask, an exciting challenge to grasp, an amazing privilege to, to, to be given. How do we help people flourish? 
And that's what we're going to look at under tonight's title, which is, how can I help all those we meet to run faster, jump higher, and swim faster? Ranulf Fiennes, uh, perhaps the last true modern explorer, um, one of our youngsters uh, gave this book to me at Christmas. And uh, apart from the fact he has this lovely um, thing at the front that says about that uh, his, he right in his early, he changed his job because of his slight misuse of explosives. I thought, well, I wonder what that involved. <laughs> he was in the military, but misuse of explosives doesn't go down well, I don't suppose. But he says right at the start of this book, what is any life but a series of opportunities to grasp and challenges to overcome? What is any life but a series of opportunities to grasp and challenges to overcome? So what opportunities and challenges are we going to grasp to enable others to flourish this coming year? Um, and we've received so many blessings, and in a sense, flourish is also linked with blessing. So how can we bless others? Uh, because blessed people flourish. We've received blessing. How can we bless others as blessed people? people flourish. And it brought me to mind that lovely biblical mandate right at the beginning of the Bible. It's actually in Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said to them, that's his creation, man, mankind or humankind, I should say, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And even then, when everything had gone wrong, a similar mandate was given to Noah. And we find that God sticks with the original plan. In particular, then he goes on in Genesis 12 with Abraham in Genesis 12, when it says, you will be a blessing and all the families on earth will be blessed by you. Blessing. I just so love that word. We are to be a blessing. So this evening... Uh, reading, which is available on the back of the sheet, is from uh, Ephesians 1. And I can't actually remember whether I'm quoting from the Passion Translation or the NIV, which you've got. But the uh, translation I put down here, every spiritual blessing has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, Jesus all because he sees us wrapped up into Christ. This is why we celebrate with him with all our hearts. Don't you think that's a great verse? And I, and I found this psalm. Just to, I, I love kind of exploring the scriptures because you can find some real gold amongst this book, but you actually kind of have to open the book. That is kind of where the book's really useful to be able to kind of scroll through it, flick through it. And I found this psalm. I'm sure I hadn't seen it before. Maybe it's a new psalm that's just been popped in there. Uh, it's Psalm 92, and it said, Your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You've empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. You've said that those lying in wait to pounce on me would be defeated, and now it's happened right in front of my eyes, and I've heard their cries of surrender. Yes, look how you've made all your lovers to flourish like palm trees each one growing in victory, standing with strength. You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they're thriving before you. For in your presence, they will still, they will still overflow and be anointed. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh. 
bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. Listen to them with pleasure, they still proclaim. You're so good. You're my beautiful strength. You've never made a mistake with me. And I just love that. And kind of, even in their old age, they will stay fresh. And that is kind of in my, my heart that I would stay fresh in my pursuit of my Father, of Jesus. And that's just a great one. But it's that lovely sense of you will flourish like palm trees. The pursuit of his presence inevitably brings about change. What was it, Heidi Baker? Uh, she said this. Uh, she says, I have one goal, and that is to be such an intimate lover of Jesus that I am a resting place for the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that's just beautiful? I'm going to be, I have one goal, to be an intimate lover of Jesus that I am a resting place for the Holy Spirit. I want to be so one with him that I become like him, love like him, and radiate his very nature until I become a resting place for his presence. More happens in one single minute in the anointing than in a lifetime of labor and efforts. We can do nothing by our own efforts. It's not by might, not by power, but only by his spirit. And that's from Zechariah 4.6. And I just think that's a great, it's all about that pursuit. Jesus loved enabling people to flourish. And as a result of Jesus meeting with people, they flourished. I mean, James, Peter, Mary, mother of Jesus, John, Andrew, Philip, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Bartholomew, Judas, Thaddeus, Simon, Zealots, Nicodemus, Mary of Cleopas, Jairus, Barnabas, John the Baptist, Apollos, Aquila, Epaphras, Lydia, John, Mark, John, Joseph, Arimathea, Martha, Mary, sister of Martha, Onesimus, Philemon, Priscilla, Silas, Timothy, Titus, ten lepers, Lazarus, Stephen, and so it goes on through the years. They all met Jesus and they flourished and it went on and so did John Bunyan and Bar Bartholomeus Ziegenbalg. Isaac, he's, he was the first Protestant missionary to India in case you didn't know. Um, you probably have all read about him and you knew about him. But anyway, and what a name, Barth Bartholomeus. You can imagine spelling that, Ziegenbalg on the phone. And your name? Um, yes, B-A-R-T-O-O. L-O-M-A-U-S, etc. Anyway, uh, Bart, Bart, he was called Bart by his friends, I suspect. Um, Isaac Newton, William Carey, Sadhusunda Singh, Livington, C.T. Studd, Mother Teresa, Ida Scudder, Nate Saint, Billy Graham, Jackie Pullinger, Heidi Baker, John Otter, Peter Wilson, uh, Trisha Pill, Martin Henry, James Attichier, and so on. They have all flourished because they encountered and met with Jesus. That, that's what it's about. That is what the encounter, it's about changing life, changing your outlook. And it's actually going from the old to the new. Michael Brodeur in his ebook, uh, Kingdom Leadership, talks about becoming a transformational influence called be leadership, becoming a transformational influence, reminding me that one of our goals as a church is to develop every believer into becoming the transforming influencer that God created them to be. All of us have tremendous influence. We can influence people for good, we can influence them for bad. But we bring about influence because of who we are. We have a lot of choice, actually. We can choose to influence positively, we can choose to influence negatively. Often when we think, well, I'm not going to influence anyone, it's a kind of you do, even if it's in a negative way. But uh, a key role of the Christian life, though, is really to help people to be more than they are now, 
to run faster, jump higher, swim faster. In a sense, to grow big people, uh, to bring blessings on them. We need to be generous with our resources, generous with our time, generous with our money. Uh, you can have a, a, I always talk about this, the poverty spirit where there's never enough. Have you met people who've got a lot, but they don't have enough? They always need more. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't aspire necessarily to acquire more, but often what they have is never enough. And that kind of is actually a poverty spirit really, and it's, it's kind of a, and they can't even enjoy what they already have. Generous with your skills, generous with your home, or all of the above. Now, it may mean you need to rethink your boundaries, and perhaps in some areas extend them, in others reduce them, and perhaps in others strengthen them. But um, last week, uh, Beth gave me this great book um, by uh, Rob Lillywall called Walking Home from Mongolia. And home is Hong Kong, because he married a Chinese girl, which he met when he rode around the world. It took him three years. But it's a great story. But I loved at the very end, he's actually a Christian. Uh, and, uh, and he said this right at the end, and it fitted crack on with this uh, talk, really. I had listened to a group of wise people debating what human flourishing was supposed to look like. One of their conclusions was that human flourishing is what happens when we know ourselves to be unconditionally loved. Well, that's pretty good, actually. And it seems to me that the place where we are unconditionally loved and hence can flourish is home. In the ideal world, that is true. I am blessed to have grown up in such a home, uh, Rob goes on to say. I belong to a faith at the heart of which is the claim that I am completely loved and which also calls me to live courageously as a pilgrim on this pilgrimage of life, there'll be times when I fall down, but instead of giving up or becoming bitter, I must get up and keep walking and reject the view that life is all about winning. Rather, I must keep a soft heart, which despite the tests and trials, is learning to love. I just thought it was a great kind of description of, of what, how somebody flourishes being in that, that safe place. And, uh, sorry, just that my computer suddenly picked up the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and um, so and Bill Johnson famously said, uh, when I live out of discipline, my, I'm admired, but when I live out of passion, I'm contagious. Is what you have in the way you live contagious? Is it worth catching? Is it catching? Because I believe the role of our church family is to be contagious. Contagious, not a popular word this last couple of years, but it's the one area we can say, yes, I'm contagious. That what is in our heart, what is in our life, our lifestyle, is something that others catch, they notice. I talked about, remember I talked about being an influencer? About you can influence people very subtly actually, you don't, just by being who you are can change the way people respond. It can change the atmosphere. It can change the fragrance and nature of events in the room. Uh, I want to bring you two verses that are the same but totally different. I'm really good at using those incorrect use of language, but how can it be the same but totally different? But you'll see where I'm going. The Passion Translation says of Matthew 11, 28 to 30, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I'll refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, 
easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Now, the message is a variation of that, and it says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It kind of goes back to that seeking peace and carry it well. Seeking uh, the presence and carrying it well. And then Ephesians 3 says this, and you've got that on your, uh, hopefully on your bookmark, and it's something like this. So I kneel humbly in all before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with divine might and explosive power. To help others flourish, we need to, to seek lives and our own life that merge those two verses, peace and confidence, peace and action, peace and the supernatural adventure. I kind of heard five sermons this year. Actually, I've preached three of them, so I was talking to myself, really, um, and also John and Matt Bird. But it's interesting that we all have, at the start of the year, this common ground. That If you kind of look at it, it's this sense of how, how can we help all those we meet to run faster, jump higher, and swim longer? At its simplest, that might just sound like, how do we do better? But I tell you this, if you want to help others run faster, then you need to want run faster yourself. If you want them to jump higher, then you have to want to jump higher yourself. And if you want to swim longer, then you have to want to swim longer. Now, I, you can see I'm kind of talking in more of a spiritual sense rather than actually that we all dash down to Luray or the, the track uh, or Beaux-Ajour. Now, I've not read, ever read this book, but this is one of the most influential books I've got, actually. I've never read it, actually, but it's one of the best books I've ever read. And I've quoted this before, because inside it, this book, is the best sentence that the author wrote to me in here. And I've said that some of you will have heard me say this before, and it says, Brian and Tricia, Simon Ponsonby wrote this book, and he wrote this. Brian and Tricia, never settle for too little. And signed, Simon. If you want to change the world, don't settle for too little. If you want to help others flourish, you need to want to flourish yourself and aspire to that, to that there's more to this life. And it doesn't matter whether you're uh, 15, 45, or 65 or older. You can still aspire to know more. So what... Do you want for 2023? Do you want more? Have you settled for too little, thinking, well, this doesn't work? I'm not kind of, 
I used to, when I first met Jesus, it was just amazing. It changed my life. I stopped doing this. I, I met new people, and then now I kind of, I've lost the plot. Maybe it's different. I would say I find it even more exciting than when I first met Jesus, although in a, I've kind of got age and experience on my walk with Jesus. But actually, is your love for Jesus infectious? Jesus did not die on the cross so that we might die, but he famously said in John 10, in uh, 10 in the NIV, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come to give you everything in abundance. And the Passion Translation, I just love it, it puts it beautifully. It says, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And that is what kind of spiritual pursuit is about. So your life overflows, but it is an active sense. You have to pursue. You can't actually run faster unless you actually run and try and run faster. You actually have to aspire to do it and think, how am I going to do this? It sometimes takes some thought. Matthew 11.30, uh, we've read that. It says uh, in that verse, it was in the, the, the message, it says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that good? Seeking his presence, keep company with me. It's kind of hanging out with Jesus, spending time with him. And uh, Wendy Backland um, said this, great believer in actually having the book to just you know it's not just quotes these are really worth pursuing this is a great book I think I've given or encouraged more people to read this book in Holy Trinity probably than any other one it's really worth a read and uh, she said this she quite she's quoting actually does quote Bill Johnson this that's twice I've mentioned him but Bill Johnson's once shared about the superiority of the New Testament of the superiority of New Testament living. In the Old Testament, when an Israelite touched a leper or the dead, he became unclean. However, in the New Testament, when Jesus touched a leper, the leper became clean, and when he got near the dead, they became alive. This radically transformed my perception. This is Wendy saying. It helped me to see that Christ changed the equation. The curses have been overcome by the blessings. Many are still living in Old Testament experience, even though we're equipped through the cross to bring life and healing everywhere the curse has brought death and destruction. Even in the Old Testament, God's people had a high value for the power of blessing. They knew it was irrevocable and powerfully affected the future. Our false concept of humility has birthed a multitude of powerless Christians who don't think they have a right or mandate to place blessings on their families, cities, and nations. We're walking into a new season where we must recognize that we have a great responsibility for passing a blessing to our children's children. And Ephesians 1, 3, right, which we, is our reading today, we're told that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I do not believe the church has even begun to tap into the fullness of the scripture. What does being blessed with every spiritual blessing mean or look like? Many people can picture what a curse might look like, but few can picture what a blessing looks like. Witches are usually specific about how a curse will affect a person. As Christians, we need to be more specific about what the effects of a blessing will be when we declare it. Blessings are biblical precedent. To carry blessings to help people flourish is a great gift and one that is really, really worth um, uh, pursuing. 
So you have to seek his presence and his peace. Then you need to pursue the Holy Spirit's abundance, and it involves taking risks in prayer, generosity, living, and hospitality. What might that look like? Well, I kind of, I've read this poem on the first, and I've kind of edited it. It's rather long. But it was read by, as Malcolm Duncan wrote this uh, 11 years ago, so I have kind of tweaked it slightly. And it said this, In 2023, I want to be a God-gazer, captured by the brilliance that springs from the radiance of you. I want to be a God-gazer, not a cheap food grazer, an easy option laser. I want to be a trailblazer for the ordinary, everyday life. I want to be a God-gazer, not just copying the hailstorm ways that shimmer brighter in the haze of bygone rays than the good old days. In 2023, I want to be a God-gazer, looking beyond the trappings of success, cutting through the stuck of respectability like a laser-piercing darkness. And in 2023, I want to be a God-gazer, reaching for the stars and seeing beauty in the moment by becoming fluent in the language of the God who is here, who is now. I want to be a God-gazer until my imagination is saturated, my thirst is sated, my passion is stirred, until my intellect is stretched as far as it can be, until my yearnings yearn for others to be free. I want to be a God-gazer, not a meetings manager or a people pleaser or a tea and sympathy vicar, not a leadership trainer, not a speaker, but a seeker. In 2023, I want to be a God-gazer. And for a moment, I want God to gaze through me. I want others to see his eyes, his heart, mind, and love above everything else in me. I want to be a God-gazer, captured by the brilliance that springs from the radiance of you. Life-giver, I want to be a life-giver, not a life-sucker. I want to be a life to be releasing, not appeasing or placating. I want to be a life giver. As a you can do it releaser, uh, a have a go preacher, uh, you were born to do this aviator. I want to be a life giver, seeing rivers flow, not die, seeing others rise and fly, helping friends reach for the stars, even if they sometimes miss, at least they can say they tried. I want to be a life giver, generous in spirit and in heart, letting the forgotten make a start at being life givers too. I want to be a life giver because I'm a God gazer, not because it's about me, it's about him, because life can't spring from any other thing. I want to be a life giver, connected to the source, pointing to the sun, standing in the shadow of the light, celebrating him. World changer, I want to be a world changer, not a furniture rearranger, a have a go, could be better whinger, or a have a leftover stinger. I want to be a world changer, a doer, not a talker. I want to spread the clothes of heaven, no more or less than a poor man's dreams beneath the feet of Jesus. I want to be a world changer, because on a morning, many winters ago, the tomb was open, the curse was broken, death had to let go, and recreation burst out of an old wineskin like water from a geezer, like the cry of a child pushed into the world, and nothing would shut him up. 
I want to be a world changer because it started, because the vanguard's on the move and love is pushing out hate and light is shining out and darkness can't understand it. Beat it, change it, hide it, kill it, stop it, win. I want to be a world changer because there's safety in this danger, there's meaning in this purpose, there's joy in this mission, and too many others are missing the power of life in all its fullness. World changer, life giver, God gazer, God-gazing, life-giving, world-changing, captured by the brilliance that springs from the radiance of you. I just think that captures what it is that we carry when we pursue and chase after the living Jesus. That is what we own. That is what we've been given. That is the blessing we can freely give to others. And that's why evangelism, telling the good news, is so, so important. And it's gone through the generations, and it's, so it's now our turn. One thing I've given you, that sheet, it's got declarations, they're biblical statements, uh, of, uh, and they're the kind of an idea to declare them, to say them aloud. In a sense, this is where I want to go. Uh, this is why I believe in faith. And so you may some mornings, if you perhaps read it, try it for a couple of weeks. Read it in the morning. Put it by your bed. And don't, don't read it internally. Say it aloud, okay? So tell the cat if you've got one or the dog. Um, but say it aloud and say it like you're declaring it. So you don't, so it's actually, yes, I, I'm declaring it. I, I, my favorite is, is this one. Today I will live in freedom, blessings, and abundant life. Saying that before you tip out to work or whatever is a great way of getting on the right page and thinking, what am I doing today? Lord, what are you up to? How, being in tune, seeing the action. And, I, and some of you have got a bookmark um, of just telling somebody books, you know, these paper things that they, they used to have. Um, do use those and do read them. So it's a stand if we're able. We're going to have a song in a second. I'll just pray over you. And then I'll hand back to the team, the music team. That sense that we're all God-gazers, and I love that. And you have called us all to be changed and also to be life-changers. That is our kind of in our mandate as disciples. And I love that sense that we don't always have the faith to believe that we can be world-changers. And some of us will change events around our parish. Some of us will change events in the island. And some of us, and some of us have done it maybe, some of us are doing it, and some of us will do it in the future, will be world changers. And what a great thing to aspire to at the, at the start of the year, to seek his presence and saying, Lord, what are you up to? Where are you? How can I be involved in your work? How can I flourish? And as a consequence, help others flourish too. Ah, and I just thank you that you know our names. I just thank you that you know our innermost special name that you give to each of us. I just ask Lord, that we may know that as we seek to follow as your disciples this year. Amen.